Welcome to Avon on the Air. I'm your host, Lucia Macro, and I'm here with Sarah McLean, and we are continuing our conversation of the books that are celebrating the 75th anniversary of Avon and Avon Romance. And today we are so excited to be talking about Lord of Scoundrels by Loretta Chase. A book so delightful we decided we couldn't usually we do like a little pre-conversation and we were just like we're just gonna dive in and talk about this book um mm -hmm. i will say i read it in the in the past couple days i was reading it and i hadn't read it in a long long time and oh my gosh so i loved it good yeah it's so i mean it's so good it's i wish i could be more articulate about how good this book is it's every well we had said the one thing we did say before is it's everything everyone says about it and kind of and more I yeah feel. i mean I, people love this book so for those of you who've First of all, for those of you who have never read this book, you absolutely must because it is it is far, I mean, it is widely believed, widely spoken of as the single best romance novel yes. ever written. Yes. Um, and it... And it might be. It is, you guys. <laughs> I mean... In some ways, it might be. There are some amazing... You know, right? I have said, um, I, if you know me at all, you know I have a lot of best romance novels mm -hmm. ever written. But this one, it just is... It's pretty close to perfect. I know. I mean, it it's might amazing. even just be perfect. Um, Let's just say it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so good. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, there's, it's interesting because I, I feel like there are a lot of books that we talk about as, you know, best in the genre or, right. um, you know, best representative of the genre. Or first in a genre right. or subgenre. Or we say, you know, we talk about the flame and the flower, right? right. And there's... We've done it here. If you're if you haven't been listening to us for the whole year, you should go back and listen to the Flame and the Flower one. But you know, there are obviously flaws with that book. Like it's in mm -hmm. a place in time. This book is timeless. It's beautifully written. Yep. She Loretta Chase is is a master. She really is. And I I had to look back on the copyright page because it was 1995, and we and you and I have talked about 94, 95 as being this yeah. great something, something, something in the water it's for romance it, yeah. novels. But I, it really is. I, I mean, it's it, it's a cliche to say, but I felt like it was as fresh and marvelous oh. as anything. Everything I, about this book yeah. is so well done. So, so we'll probably give some spoilers. <laughs> yeah, so we yeah. haven't read it. Just full disclosure, yeah. you will hear some spoilers. So, mm -hmm. if you haven't read it and you don't want to hear spoilers, turn it off right now and then yeah. come back later, and then you can, we can talk. You can listen to us talk about it more. Um, but it starts with this prologue. So, oh, my God. <laughs> so Susan Elizabeth Phillips is famous for saying, um, you should never have prologues in your romance novels right. unless you're Loretta Chase. And that is because of this, this prologue. prologue. You go. I'll go. Okay, <laughs> so it's all about, oh, gosh, I can't even do it justice. So the hero is a little boy and his mother. So it, it, it actually starts in this very um, almost old old-fashioned way like old novel way like, like, like the fairy, victorians yeah, like or, or yeah so it's a tale of how his father married the yeah. mother and the mother was italian and her name was lucia i think interestingly oh, yeah. yeah and she was all passionate and he i was he, I, I imagined him as being kind of this old british buddy daddy, buddy -daddy. <laughs> yeah and so they have this child and um then the mother runs off and, and the child is ugly. And the, that's right. And he's kind of, 
I mean, I felt like he was described like the Beast of yeah. Bombs. Like, 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 well, the whole mishaken. book is like a twisted Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Um, but that's that's sort of cheapening what it. I mean, what right. it really is. But it. I mean, he's he's, he's ugly. ugly. Like the the his nursemaid is afraid of him. Like, oh yeah, they see like him born and they're all sort of like, Ew. like, and I mean, <laughs> like an ugly just baby wrecked by this prologue because yeah. by the and it's so brilliant, right? Because. She's going to, when he's all grown up, right. he's horrible, right? right? And so the the only, like, she just sets it all up where we're so sympathetic to him. I know. And then they shuffle him off to Eaton. And there's this line, I should have underlined it, where basically it says, Eaton can, it, it, it's like, the, the concept is like, Eaton often brings out the best in boys, but sometimes it brings out the worst. And in him, it brought out the worst. But he's mercilessly bullied. But horribly, horribly bullied. Like, bullied. like they his stick his head, head in the toilet, right? Yeah, like, and it's not like a toilet. It's no, like it's a like an outhouse. outhouse. It's disgusting, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, like he's tortured by these yep. boys. And then he, I know he kind of snaps, and it's that classic thing where he beats up the head bully, and then they become best friends. Um, but but <laughs> yeah. best friends in in badness. Yeah. And from that moment on, he's bad. He is bad. He's bad. Like really, the only good thing he does is when his father shuffles off his mortal coil he goes back to the to the ancestral pile and and sticks all these like competent people in place to run the estate mm-hmm. and then he just goes off and he's he sort of like goes drink, drinking and and whoring his way through france yeah, yeah he has he wants nothing to do with the title he wants nothing to do with anything nope he's basically sold off everything to make as much money as he possibly can right and he's really good at making money which yeah that was interesting and he's constantly referred to in these terms of um, any word, any word that's like a synonym for the devil. He yeah, he's yeah. Beelzebub. She, the heroine, refers to him as Beelzebub the yes, whole way through. The whole way through. So the setup is so we so we start the book. I mean, so the prologue starts, and we're so invested in him. Yes. in you know four pages. If you want a good lesson for in how to write a prologue, writers, like in how to invest a, a reader in a character who you're going to then make come sort of unlovable at the beginning. Then this is a good way. Um, And so he's, and he loves beautiful things, but he loves, so, and presumably this is because he's always considered himself so So ugly, ugly, So he likes to surround himself with beautiful things. And so the book begins inside an antique shop. That's right. And he's, he's looking for, it's, he's like looking at a piece of, like, it's a Madonna. Is, it, is this the Madonna? Well, she buys the Madonna eventually. Right. Anyway, in comes uh, the sister of one of his minions. Like, he has an entourage of, you know, drunken, slovenly, you know, idiots who follow him around. And one of them is the heroine's brother, right. Bertie, which is such a perfect name. It's such a perfect Bert. name. And he's kind of adult. Mm-hmm. And he's being led astray. Mm-hmm. And he's spending all of his money and drinking yeah and, and jess is jessica jess, the, who's the heroine is a spinster sister who uh basically goes after dane, dane. our hero um to convince him that he should drop her drop brother the brother from the from the entourage because he's ruining the brother and so she goes in specifically mm-hmm. he is her mark in the beginning but we don't know this because we're in the reader doesn't know it because the reader is with the hero right and she comes in, and she's beautiful, and she's, you know, it's a perfect example. We've talked about these heroines before, right? We saw them in Rachel Gibson and Susan Elizabeth right. Phillips this, during this year, where it's an, she's immediately, he under, um, oh, he, he 
absolutely doesn't expect her to be. He really underestimates, underestimates her. her. Yeah. And so um, she comes in and she buys out from under. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't want it. She buys a filthy looking. Oh, it's it's like a watch, right? Well, she buys a watch, a dirty watch. A dirty watch. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It does, it's hard to explain. It does dirty things. Yeah, you have to it's, read the a, book. it's a, yeah, it's a, like a mechanical watch where a man is going, is performing. Do, right, there you go. Upon a woman. <laughs> I was trying to think, how do we say this? Right, and yes. she buys it for her for grandmother. grandmother. We're going to talk about the grandmother, I think. But the, um, but she, then she buys a filthy, like there's like a stinky old painting. Oh, right. A miniature. And she wants it. And she haggles, you know, right. down to a perfect, to like a nothing price for this painting. And it turns out that it's a rare Russian idol. Right. Covered in jewels beneath the old frame. And she saw it instantly that that's what it was. And it's worth about a thousand pounds, which in that time was, was a lot. Huge, huge amount of huge money. Huge amount of money. And he's furious <laughs> that she has purchased this thing that she noticed it, then he didn't. Right. I mean, so instantly they're thrown off of each other, and she offers to trade this painting for, for the brother, the basically. brother's life. Yeah. And he is furious. Furious. And he says no. And they are, they loathe each it, other. I know. It's so amazing. <laughs> but what's so incredible about this, and I, I I, feel like it's so rare to see, is they are desperately in love with each other from the start. In the way, in, yes. in the sense of like, as a reader, you just know these two people are so thoroughly in love with each other. Yes. Instantly. They're Instantly. so attracted to each other. They're so... But it... It, they themselves, and they themselves sort of acknowledge their attraction to each other, and they resist it. The push, the push pull of it is so beautifully done, and the hatred slash love mm-hmm. is so beautifully worked together that as a reader, you're just breathless on every page. Yeah, because it's- they loathe each other and like. Ut- are utterly unable to resist each other all at once. All of, it's 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 so. I can't even, you have to read it. It's so, it's so gorgeously written and so perfectly done. And, and then things just sort of, I mean, there's this scene, it was interesting. I was talking to one of the other editors here and I said, oh, we're going to talk about Lord of Scoundrels. And of course, the first thing she said, she goes, the scene with the glove. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is a Loretta Chase thing, right? Loretta, Loretta does I think better than anybody who's writing. She um, really works with objects really beautifully. Oh. And there are two moments in this book that just slay me. And the scene with the gloves. Oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, my gosh. I, you know, because it's been a while. I'm like, oh, right. The scene with the I had gloves. forgotten it was at a dinner party. Oh, And he's like, takes a, it's just like so crazy sexy. The hero. And yet not much. There's no skin. There's yeah. no, like, it's just... But it's a classic so Loretta. Great. So for those of you who don't follow Loretta online, I highly recommend you following her on Twitter and following her blog. She writes a blog with... Oh, gosh, and I'm going to draw a blank on the oh woman's no. name. But she writes a blog with another historical writer, um, and it's called Two, Two Nerdy, Nerdy Gir- History Girls. That, yeah, I love this blog. And every... Every post on this blog is about some sort of fascinating thing that Loretta and this other woman have found in their in the course of their research. Mm-hmm. Loretta does 
it's clear she does remarkable, remarkable research. research. It takes, I know for a fact, because I've spoken to her about it, it takes her months and months to do all the research that she needs for a book, and then she sort of, you'd never know it. It's so, it's so right. seamlessly interwoven. There's never a moment where you feel like, and now I'm reading a history book, and now we're back to a romance novel, okay. right? Which can happen. But in this case, it's just so beautiful. And so what she, the glove scene, um, the heroine is wearing gloves at dinner, and the hero says, um, have I been away from society for so long? Like, I thought women could take their gloves off to eat. And mm-hmm. she says, well, I could, but I would need a maid to take them off, right? Because right. she has such a so long thing of tiny buttons. little buttons. And, um, I mean, that's just a classic Loretta Chase moment where she understands. Um, in, she she just, she weaves in the sort of the fashion of the day. She's also clearly obsessed with fashion. Yes. And her most recent series for Avon is a dress is the dressmaker series and the the descriptions of the dresses cl- oh my god the clothes are just amazing anyway so dane removes this glove at a dinner table sort of threatening to ruin the heroine right right for those of us who are historical readers we know like <gasps> like full-on touching a woman at dinner is just no <laughs> no go and it's and it's like an arm. Yeah, and he takes her. He removes her glove. Could be the end for her. And the whole dinner party is like silent, Vandalized. watching. And he's talk, speaking to her in Italian. Yeah, because he wants everybody to think that she's that he's seducing her. Yeah, and that they're lovers. And then she just undercuts the whole thing by saying like, "Oh, you're so sweet to court me." And he's so wrecked by it because he's his whole persona is that he doesn't care about love. He only sleeps with whores. Like, yeah, he has his own he's life. And she just. At every moment, they're never. There's never a moment where they aren't on fully equal ground, you know, and totally turns the table on him in terms of society because he thinks, "Oh, I'm going to ruin her and embarrass her," and then she's like, ah. and then he, and there's this great moment where he's thinking, "Oh my god!" Like he realizes what she's what she's done, done. and he gets and he, furious. He's furious every time she matches him. You know, move for move, he gets more and more. Irate, right? And as he gets furious, he just loses his ability to control himself, and he all—that's all he has, right? Is right. his control, and then he ends up just like obsessed with her. Yeah. And uh, the other object in this book that I just adore is the fan at the dance. Oh. Where, um, she's at her last ball, um, and it's supposed to be she's she's saving the fan as a souvenir, and I asked Loretta. Um, if this was historically a thing that people did. And mm-hmm. she said, yes, that oh. um, as a dance, like, you, she had seen it once, that as a dance, a fan oh, they, uses a dance card. They use it, I was going to say, did they use it as so a dance card their, and they write the dances right. on? Oh. Men would write their names on the dance and women would keep it, you know, keep it as a souvenir right. from, the, from the ball. Um, and he comes up and he, she's full, of course, because... Uh, because... And uh, he wants to dance with her, and she says, I'm sorry, I'm taken, I have a thing. And he takes the fan from her, and he snaps, snaps it. The, just the one stick right. that has that name on it. And it is amazing. It's the sexiest scene. And, like, he's holding a fan. Like, there's no reason why it should be sexy. <laughs> it's so sexy. And oh, she just, it's just perfect. This book is perfect. It is. Um, and you know she does, and then of course we haven't even talked about the big, the big th- surprise. What what happens? But um, this really is a spoiler, you guys. So if you have not read it and you don't want to be spoiled, you should you turn read. it off right now. Um, but so 
third of the way through the book, Dane right. ruins her. Yeah. Um, and he he sets it up so that she will be fully ruined, and it is his last punishment. Right. You know, for basically for her making him feel feel. Period. And all right. <laughs> for making him feel because he's been like just cut yeah. off from. She, he's so furious just at being a being feeling human. Right. That he pushes. This is his way of sort of finally getting rid of her, and so he ruins her, and she's wrecked. I mean, she's wrecked yeah. in the sense that she didn't expect it. Right. right. She thought that she really, really. I mean, it's so beautifully written. Too, yeah. But you really feel for her. Like she did not see this coming. No. And um, he's, but in the moment, uh, Loretta writes these, writes the whole scene really beautifully where she intersperses their pro- their points of view. And so you see Dane sort of wrecked by the experience of being with her. Right. And then desperately not wanting to ruin her, but choosing to ruin her anyway. I mean, it's just so It's perfect. beautifully written. And um, so he says as, she le- as he leaves, like, she says, you ruined me. Like, what? What? What is happening? And he was like, so shoot me. And he walks out. I know. <laughs> and the next day, she walks into a restaurant where he's having dinner with all of his friends, like with a whore on his lap. And she shoots and him. And she shoots him. <laughs> That's what and I was just like. When I read, I, I was reading that, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. This just happened. She freaking shoots yeah. him. And she shoots him. Yep. I know. Here's how much I, I love this book and how much that scene impacted me. I can remember where I was. Oh, my gosh. It's like, you know, where were you when Kennedy was shot? Like, yeah. where were you when Dane was shot? Oh, my right? gosh. I was, I was laying on the couch in my apartment because I, I came to this book much later mm-hmm. um, than I probably should have. Um, but I read it maybe for the first time maybe 10 years ago. Right. And I was laying on the couch in my apartment. And the end of the chapter is like, and she, you know, shot him. And I sat straight up <laughs> on the couch. And I went, what the F just happened yeah. out loud. Yeah. <laughs> and my husband was like, what? What's happening? What? <laughs> What's happening in Lord of Scoundrels? And, uh, yeah. and it's, she is not, she, this is clearly, Loretta knows, knows her history and mm-hmm. her romance history. This is clearly a nod toward Hayer, who has also done a heroine, she's the hero moment. But there is, um, I mean, it is really beautifully done. And he's so shocked. Everyone's so Everyone's shocked. shocked. And, um, I was shocked. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. I mean, it's just perfect. And then, uh, and this is all like the, th- well, we've only talked about the first third of the I book. know. There's so much more. Um, but it really is, it's so beautifully done. I mean, we always talk about this, but you would buy this book in a heartbeat. I would buy this book in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh my <laughs> and gosh. And not change a word of it. Probably not change, <laughs> no, agree. Probably not change a word of it. And it's, I know, it's, it's. I don't know. It's it's amazing, and um, I feel like I mean she, she's such a talent. And of course, the the cry with Loretta Chase is why doesn't she write faster? Everyone wishes, but I'm, that she wrote faster. But then you get this. I mean, that's the thing. Like, would you like, rather have her write faster or get one of these every? I'd rather get twelve one of, months. I'd rather get one of these every months. twelve, fifteen months. Absolutely. I'd rather, <laughs> or maybe get one of these every six months. But that's not human. <laughs> You know, like physically possible because yeah. she does so much research and she and she thinks thinks about everything. You guys, I mean, as a writer, I mean, this is probably the 
tenth or twelfth time I've read this book. Oh my gosh! You know, and I read it this week again in preparation for this. And I mean, I have I own it. I have at least four copies of it, um, and I'm holding my Kindle here because I know I take so many. I highlight so many. I think I must have a highlight of a line on every page of this wow. book because she's so good at it and it's so beautifully structured yeah. because it's it's almost like it's there's like the prologue and then there's like act one act two act yeah, three act one is paris act two is london she's so smart to to set it in paris historically right because all she could put in all of jess could be a wilder character she yes. could do all these things with it with freedom in paris in a way that she couldn't, couldn't in do london. in london um and then you know Dane return when they, you know, he forces her a third of the way through to marry him. Mm-hmm. It's his punishment, essentially. Essentially, he's yeah. like, "You shot me, so now um, you got to marry she me." She sends a lawyer after him, essentially right. ready to sue him for ruining her, right. which is something that could only have happened in Paris, right? right? And um, he's and she basically sues him for alimony without marrying him, right? <laughs> like she wants him to pay to pay for her to live because she'll no one will ever she'll, marry yeah. her. And he says, well, if I'm going to pay for you, if I'm going to buy the cat, if I'm going to pay for the milk, I'm going to buy the cat. Yeah. And right? they, yep, makes her, makes her marry him. And, um, so they marry and he takes her to London and she's furious about that. I mean, there's, it, it's such a battle of wills yeah. and it's really, I mean, it's just glorious. And then they go, they go back to the, the estate Yep. And things happen there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, more spoilers. <laughs> I mean, we find we find his his child. His child. He, and he says, what's fascinating about it is, and I had, again, you know, 10 or 12 times, you start, you still, every time you've, you realize a new thing, mm-hmm. it's revealed from the very start that he'd sired this child on a, on a local, you know. Like a local like a, fancy girl. Yeah. Before. <laughs> and... And it's sort of the way it's initially referred to is very jarring in the sense that, like, it's you're in his point of view. And he's like, there was a problem nine months later, but it was taken care of. Right. Right? And, you know, it, to the tune of, you know, 100 pounds a month or whatever. Right. And so you sort of think, like, wow, what a cruel thing that this mm-hmm. guy has a child. And then, but she, the point of a romance novel is that both the characters evolve over time, mm-hmm. like, through each other. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful about that is Jess changes Dane to the point where, like, he realizes this is his child. Right. And he acknowledges and takes the child. And I, I thought it was so poignant because here is a boy who, here's a character who as a boy was essentially abandoned by both mm-hmm. his parents. The mother runs off. The father shuffles him off to school and barely even mentions him. Like, barely even mentions him in the family Bible or or whatever, mm-hmm. wherever the family, yeah, the tree, yeah, the tree the, is mm-hmm. all listed. Yeah. And yet he has this child who he has kind of done the same thing to, like right. she said, you which know, makes sense. I mean, if it, if you if, if that's if you how were you Ill, were so so sort of vaguely acknowledged as a child, right? Children don't have the value that you think they would have but, yeah. necessarily. Oh, it's just so perfect. It's so perfect. And then the, the awful, you know, the awful mother of the child who just so willing to just give give the kid up right but at least i felt like i I, that that made me that to me was the most heartbreaking part in a weird way because i just thought here i mean you know the kid's gonna end up better off but here's a kid who has been Mm -hmm. like also abandoned by his mother yeah and so of course he understands her more and like it it gives them a bond instantly i mean they're so you know uh, yeah it's just it's a remarkable thing i i once I've been very lucky to to sit with Loretta t- 
two or three times and talk to her about mm-hmm. how she writes and her work. And she is she has said that this book is that she knew when she was writing this book that it was special that it came out of her in a different way oh wow that's fascinating um, that's always fascinating to me yeah and I mean I've never had that so like the idea that you know she she said she uh, she has said that this that Dane and Jessica just kind of were fully formed Mm -hmm. and their story was very clear to her Mm -hmm. and it just it sometimes a book just reads that way like yeah the writer's telling somebody's story and the story they're they're just they're sharing it with you right and it this that's what this feels like it just feels so authentic and real and so good it could almost be i mean in so many ways i feel like it could be transposed to modern day Mm -hmm. the characters were so um they were they were so real to me Mm -hmm. and i loved i loved jess i loved her she's so modern i loved how it's hard to explain i loved how her reaction was never the ex- her reaction to me was never the expected reaction. Mm-hmm. She was so like so smart and witty, and it, she was almost like um, I said this earlier. It was I felt like it was like Myrna Loy from the movies, like talking to Clark Gable. Like you have this like crazy macho mm-hmm. kind of mean tough guy, and the heroine is just in her own smart way giving it right back to him. Yeah, but without resorting. To common vulgarity, but but without resorting right. to anything obnoxious, she was just smart, and right. she she was educated, and you know he would talk to her. I think there was one scene he says something in Latin, and I you sort of feel like she he's like I can talk to that, and she just says it right back. She knows exactly the references. I mean, oh, and she's so strong. She's so you know I have this post-it note on my wall that I where I work, and it says the heroine is always proactive, and like. It's just a reminder that, like, you don't want to write a weak heroine ever. Mm-hmm. But, like, it feel. I mean, Jess is so strong. Everything she does is intentional. Everything she does is one step ahead of everyone else. Like, she's deeply loyal. I mean, her brother is a ding-a-ling. Oh, her brother's an idiot. <laughs> He's a total she's, idiot. But still she's is so gonna, loyal. She's, she's going to get him out of that predicament. And I think really what I love the most about her is that she's so self-aware in the sense that, you know, there's, there's an amazing moment where they... Um, she, you know, walks into his house at one point and he's half undressed and she, you know, is so furious that she's so furious with him. She sort of marches immediately out and he follows her into the street because mm-hmm. again, like he's, she's constantly on un, undoing him. Right. And he follows her out into the street and you realize, and she says, you know, you're, um, you don't have a lot of, you're, 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 you're not are, like you're yeah. literally, your pants are unbuttoned. Like, right. what are you doing? And he, you know, puts his pants back on and then, um, and he's so angry with her, just that everything is, he's so lost control and he's furious, furious with her. And then he kisses her in the rain and it's all very hot. And then she goes home and she's sitting with her grandmother and she's like, he's horrible, he's horrible, but he's so adorable. (laughs) Right? And it's that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, she so gets herself. Like, she wants him desperately and she never once denies it right and it's so powerful That's great and i don't want to leave without a few words for the grandmother because i thought the grandmother was such a hoot and she such was- a good secondary like such a good character also perfectly added into the world yeah. right because jess is all the things we just talked about right so smart and so strong and so everything mm-hmm. right and the it's because she's got this grandmother who is just slightly you know yeah different and of course they're living in Paris. Of, of course, course they, they are. are. Of course they are. 
um, and and really um, to me like kind of the perfect secondary characters. Even his like even Dane's entourage to me was as you know they were kind of horrible, yeah. but they were kind of fascinating yeah. too. Well, and you know what I love the it's like that that pack of guy thing. Yeah, there's good. he de- it's definitely an entourage. Yeah, um, and there's a character Vautry who um, is like his dearest friend mm-hmm. who. I get who this the the setup is that for years and years he Vautry's been making money based on like making bets about what Dane will do. That's right. Right? And so he takes these bets where, you know, someone will say, Oh, I'll bet you two hundred pounds that by the end of the week he'll be running after her, mm-hmm. you know, chasing her down a public street. Mm-hmm. And Vautry's his oldest friend and knows him better than anyone and says, I'll take that bet. Dane will Dane will never, never ever do, do that. And then, you know, a week later, he's done it, barely dressed, and you know, Vautry's paying his, you know, <laughs> yeah, two hundred pounds. And what I love about that is Loretta writes it in as sort of it's almost as though, like you were saying at the very beginning, at the pro- with the prologue, the way Loretta injects the sort of storytelling. Oh my gosh, is so, so seamless, but also like it's such a clear third voice, right? There's Dane, there's Jessica, and there's Jess, and then there's this sort of third omniscient voice that's so clever and funny. And, but what she's doing every time Vautry makes one of these idiot bets is showing us how completely undane-like Dane is when he's with her. Yeah. Um... Because the setup is no, Vautry doesn't lose, and he never loses. Like he's That's made a thing. fortune he's made all this money <laughs> on betting right on Dane's actions, and so it's really just I love it. I it's, love it's everything. It's so fun. It's so fun. It. This book really is. It might be. It might be the perfect romance novel. It, I think it. I think it is the perfect romance novel. Oh my gosh! You, if you've Are never I, I read it, the, it. I mean, you have to go immediately and get it and get it. Because um, it's just so, I, I was so happy to reread it, and I was reading it on this on this on the subway, and I was miss you know like I was practically missing mm-hmm. stops. I was just like, oh my gosh, I have to get off the yeah. train now. I mean, there's something about the '90s, the those early '90s, the '94, '95. Oh my gosh! And we're gonna talk about other books from that time, you know, as we go. But that we it was this perfect storm, I think, of writers coming to the forefront, um, editors who were smart enough to see it yeah. and publish it and um and it was the ex- you know we've we've talked over and over in these podcasts about what each book has done for the genre right and i feel like what this book does for the genre is shows the world what romance can be yeah um because i don't think that this is i think you could hand this book to anyone, anyone and say read this book empirically this is just a beautiful book yeah it's beautifully written and just so so amazingly mm-hmm. constructed and it is there's the not a wrong there's not a wrong yeah. move in it. It's the romance novel I give to people who read literary fiction and say yeah, I've I was never, gonna say, I've it never is. read a romance novel. What should I read? Read and I this always say yeah, this them. is it. Read Lord of Scoundrels. So so any final thoughts on Lord of Scoundrels? Just that if I could write one sentence in my life, <laughs> like Loretta Chase writes sentences, I would die a happy author. So, oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> well, Loretta's ears, I'm sure, are burning right now. Hopefully, with joy. Um, this is such a special book, and Sarah, thank you so much for coming in to talk with me. Thank you for having about me, Lord of Scoundrels, and- on Avon on the Air. And yes, we both highly recommend it. If you have not read this book, 
go yeah. find a copy. You'd be crazy not to read yeah. it. That's Block just, out an afternoon. Yeah, and, and, and enjoy. Yeah. All right. Well, this is Lucia Macro for Avon on the Air. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Avon on the Air. This episode was edited by Nathan Rossborough with production help from Jennifer Monroe. The books featured in this episode are available for purchase wherever books are sold. We hope you'll join us next time as we hear more from your favorite authors, all brought to you by Avon on the Air.